Hello, I'm John Chambers, and I want to welcome everyone to another episode of Chambers Talks. This is my quarterly LinkedIn podcast uh, that really talks about tech disruptions going on, innovation around the world, and the impact that these disruptions and innovation will have on all aspects of society. I love talking to business leaders and government leaders and education leaders about these transformational changes and how you focus on market transitions, not competitors, as you move into new areas. I can't think of any executive that is more qualified to talk about all those categories than our guest today. Jay Walter, if you look at his background, he's CEO of Virgin Hyperloop, which I think will be the next generation of transportation with unbelievable innovation and creativity. But he also was chairman and CEO of the New York Metropolitan Transit Authority. So understands transportation, business and government working together, et cetera. And he was a CEO of a startup called Motivate, a bike sharing company. And before that, he was with McKinsey. So wicked smart, really understands how do you consult and get people to move toward a common goal. And then he was a lecturer at Harvard before that in public policy. So, Jay, I cannot thank you enough for joining us today. We're going to talk about the future of transportation, Hyperloop, what is it really, and why is it such a dramatic change? Uh, Why did you pick West Virginia for uh, uh, your major uh, certification center? Uh, And then excitement that you did the first human test uh, here on November 8th. So we're going to cover all the above in about 15 minutes. Jay, thank you, thank you, thank you for being with us today. Hey, John, thank you. Thanks for that that super kind introduction. And, and uh, it's really my pleasure. I love chatting with you. So it's great. Well, we can finish each other's sentences, uh, although you do it with a little bit of a New York accent and I do it with a West Virginia accent. Uh, let's take a step back and describe really what is the Virgin Hyperloop? How is it different? What? Why is it going to be the next form of transportation, in our opinion? And what's your dreams and aspirations for it? So look, you know, here's one thing that's kind of funny, and you're you come from a tech world in which you know we think about things changing literally in in days, weeks, months in in being able to do it. We are at a point where we have actually not had a a really major new transportation innovation in over a hundred years. If we think back to to innovations of the magnitude of the the invention of the train, the automobile, the plane, what comes next? And, and I think that, that the beauty of what Virgin Hyperloop is doing right now is rather than continuing to say we should make incremental progress off the models that were developed in the uh, 19th century or the, or the 20th century, we started with a clean sheet of paper to be able to say what could a transportation system look like if we were doing this today? And, um, and the power and the opportunity of that um, is extraordinary. So, so what do we want that to be? Um, we want that to be something that is certainly super fast, no question about it. And so we, we, we go up to 1,000 kilometers an hour. We want it to be high capacity because we recognize that we have to share this planet and we have to work and, and space is, is important in being able to do that. And so it doesn't really, we, we want it to be high capacity. We want it to deal with people and cargo, mobility and logistics, because if anything that we've learned over the 
course of the last months is that logistics are really important to us. We've also, you know, frankly, I think most of us, probably you as well, John, have really come to the view that we do want to be able to move around and see people and engage. And and Zoom is nice, but there's a limit in, in, in being able to do it. Um, we want it to be consistent with the way we live our life today, and that is quick and on demand. Um, and finally, and, and maybe most important in everything that I'm about to say, we want it to reflect our values in terms of the environment. We want it to be greener. We, we, don't, we want to believe that our transportation will not pollute the air that we breathe. And, and I think that, that Virgin Hyperloop has found now a way to be able to say we can, we can look at these ideas and we can, using a clean sheet of paper and 21st century technology, make this achievable. That's what's so exciting. Well, it's the classic. It's a business market transition enabled by brand new technology with people that can dream, but also understand how to make dreams come true. Uh, you celebrate milestones along the way whenever you bring in a new transformational change. Tell me what it was like on November 8th for the first humans to, to be transported that way. And I, I appreciate very much uh, the offer to be there. I had a prior family commitment with my son for a fishing uh, trip we'd had for a year. But what was it like when the first humans got to, to begin to experience maybe moving at over 700 miles per hour concept-wise in a new form of transportation. Can you can you convey what it felt like to be there and what it meant to you as CEO uh, of the organization uh, to help make this dream start to come true? It, it was it was magical, John. And and, and um, you know we built a test facility out in the desert outside of Las Vegas uh, about three years ago. And we call it DevLoop. And if you're riding on, on the road after you come off I-15, you can see it in the distance. And I always kind of get a chill when I, when I see the tube in the distance. We'd run about 400 tests on Hyperloop. We proved that Hyperloop worked, but we had, we had never really answered the question of uh, when will a person ride in it? Is it safe? And we set out to do that. And, um, you know, in some sense, the, the question of what we needed to do there was um, an anathema to what you might say is a hard-charging tech creative organization, the, the type of place that, that you know, right? Completely agree. Right, Completely because, because agree. safety safety is is unbendingly methodical in what, what you have to do. And, and there are no shortcuts and there are no ways that to, be, to be able to, to skip steps in, in, in being able to do it. We carried a tremendous responsibility in, in thinking about that, but um, we knew that we were ready. And uh, the other part that I loved about this was that um, it was our own colleagues. We put out a call to our company, to every person in our company and said, if you were interested in being the first person in a Hyperloop, um, we're, let us know, we, we wanna do this. And we got over 40 responses. And, wow. and that, that, that first day, uh, Josh Geigel, our, our co-founder and CTO, um, you could not have, have uh, imagined um, how excited he was about doing this. He's there with Sarah Lucian, our, our, our director of customer experience. And um, my favorite part, because the, the, the tube is 500 meters that we have, so it's a quick 
trip that, that you're really doing. My favorite part about it, uh, because I'm watching in the control room, and uh, their smiles were, were ear to ear, and and they were fist bumping as they were going, and and, and you just, I mean, it just was unbelievable. And and I, I I hope you've had a chance, and others have a chance to look at some of the clips because um, I at least I don't get tired of them. I keep watching them over and over again. Well, you know, it's like watching the first airplane flight, uh, the first railroad, the first car go down the road. And I believe it will be the, the next generation of transportation. And it's not just for this country. It's for very populous countries like India, uh, Europe, et cetera, the Middle East. It can change things dramatically. Uh, drawing parallels. And, hey, can, and, I, can I stay with that for a second, John? Because I think for, for just for one second. Because, look, I, I think that there's, there's such an important point in what you're making here right now, that this is something that has global significance, that, that it really is – and we're seeing this in, in some of the reaction and the way that people are are, are going to this, that they're, they're, this idea that, um, you know, yes, we're standing outside the desert in, in Nevada, but but the whole world is actually watching and that, that we recognize and that, that I truly believe we will uh, look back and say, where were you on, a, on November 8th, 2020? Because that really is the spot and the, the birth of being able to do this, the, the dawn of a new era in transportation. And it's capturing people's imagination on what's possible. You know, we, we look at uh, our country in the U.S. and we tend to take innovation for granted, startups for granted, and that we will always lead. That's not necessarily the case. Uh, it is a situation you either disrupt or you get disrupted. My home state of West Virginia, uh, you all chose uh, it as the uh, Hyperloop Certification Center. It could mean up to as many as, as uh, 13,000 jobs, uh, depending on how successful we are together on it. Uh, you could have picked any state. I think 17 different states competed for it. And for the listeners, what I want people to focus on is West Virginia has learned how to dream again. We were the chemical center of the world, the coal mining center of the world, and we lost our leadership with the terrible impact on all of our, our 2 million people in our, our state. We're dreaming again, and you suddenly saw the governor, the president of the Senate, the Speaker of the House, both U.S. senators, one a Democrat, one a Republican, united behind it. You had Gordon Gee at West Virginia University and the whole West Virginia engine behind them. Sarah, who's kind of our operational brilliance, uh, in terms of pulling us all together uh, on it. And we came together in a way that many people would not have had the courage to even try. And I think as recently as three or four years ago, the state wouldn't have wouldn't have dreamed this way. Why did you pick West Virginia? And, and tell me, how do we differentiate versus the other 17 states that would have done anything to have you? Well, you pretty much answered the question already, because I'll tell you, it, it really was the team and the partnership that was there. Let me step back for a second. Uh, I, I'm a kid from New York, and 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 really, if you would ask me going into what we were doing, whether I thought that West Virginia is the place we we're going to do it, my my frank answer would have been no. Uh, it was not. It was not really in the sights. What was extraordinary was the way that West Virginia came together, and and um, and it not just. I mean, leadership from the from the governor and his team, and and Governor Justice has been absolutely terrific. The senators, uh, and again, on both sides of the aisle and the congressional delegation coming to, to be able to support uh, the business community of which you represent part of that. Um, 
and, and, and the educational community in, in Gordon Gee and West Virginia University uh, have been have been astounding. And, and you know, if you are if you're undertaking something that is that is relatively standard, it almost doesn't matter who your partner is. You can enter into an agreement, you get it done, you may or may not have to like each other or have confidence in each other or the like. You know, everybody plays their part and they just get it done. Yes. We're doing something that's different than that. We're doing something that is that is that is really challenging, that is first of its kind, that will have twists and turns in the road that that we don't expect and that we don't know how to be able to to predict necessarily in in, in doing that. And when you in those type of circumstances, you really want to make sure that you have a strong partnership, that you have a you have a partnership that understands what you're doing, that wants to work with you to be able to do it, in which we can figure out how to be able to do things. And I think that that this this troika essentially of of government, the the business community, including the the developer who's who's been absolutely astounding, and 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 others. And education, which I happen to think universities are such an important element of this, and the way that everybody has thought about this and approached it just came through loud and clear. And um, when I uh, when we announced it, uh, I can't think of of anything that's that's more telling than saying we are we are literally looking at a site that was an an old coal mine um, that that really. Uh, is now being turned into the the birthplace of this new era of transportation, and and what what could be better than that? And uh, and um, I'm just totally uh, enamored with it. We have a team down in uh, in West Virginia, literally as we're speaking right now, and um, uh, I'm really excited to to hear their report back. We'll be on a we'll be not in person, but we'll be on a blue jeans before I know it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Hey, uh, part of what we try to do uh, in these uh, podcasts is really to talk about changes that each of us go through in our life. And how do you decide what you want to do in your next role? And uh, so, Jay, if you would, I'd love for you to share. You could have done anything uh, that you wanted. You have public-private experience. You, you've been a, a, a lecturer at the in one of the top schools in the world, uh, you've done your startups. Uh, you understand transportation. What was it like, decision-wise, for you to decide to be the CEO of this company? Why did you do it? Were you sure it was the right decision when you did it? You know, walk through much in the mind of the listeners today about what they may be thinking about if they're thinking, what are they going to do in the next chapter of their lives? Well, you know, for me. Um, and, and I'm very proud of the things that I that I've been able to do in my career. You very nicely introduced it, John. I I think the word that always stands out for me is impact. I, I want to have impact in 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 what I do. Um, when when I was approached about Virgin Hyperloop, um, it became clear that this was a job that that would have impact. You know, most of the things that we do in our lives are almost by definition incremental. You know, we're bound in some ways by decisions that preceded us and we make incremental improvement off of that. And 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 every now and then we get to do something as, as you well know, because you've been in this position that, that that is different than that, that is true disruption, that really is about, about how we rethink this, not just how we uh, make it a little bit better in the way that, that we do that. 
And, and this is one of those, this was one of those opportunities and one of those moments. And uh, frankly, uh, for me personally, I had to convince myself that I believed that it was doable. And, and part of my process was not, well, did I love the vision? You have to love the vision. But I yeah. knew you're sitting here as the CEO of this company and vision wasn't enough, right? I had to believe that, that I could lead this company and that we could make it happen. And again, one of the things I love about what we're seeing now, the announcement that you referenced in West Virginia and the way we're going forward with our, with our certification center leading to our commercial applications, the, the work that we just did um, over the past week uh, to be able to have the first person in a Hyperloop pod uh, is such an indication that this has moved from, from vision into reality. And, and I love that. And, and I think that, that we can really... Um, uh, it's important to believe that the things that we do have impact and that, that we can continue to, to do things in that way. I just don't think there's a way to imagine having more impact than what we're doing right now. I would agree. It, it, it gets not just exciting, it can change the world uh, and the opportunities there and the risks are there in terms of we've got to execute with a complex set of players that haven't done it before. Uh, leadership. Uh, you've had so many different roles, always very successful on it. Uh, what are maybe the two or three takeaways in terms of lessons learned as a leader uh, on it, and maybe even our setbacks and how we handle them? So maybe you're, you're, you're educating the listeners, including myself, on uh, lessons learned in your leadership career. Well, look, I personally... Um, uh, I am driven by the successes that that uh, we've had and that 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 I've been a, a part of in in being able to do it. Uh, I think clear vision is enormously important in in doing it. Um, if you don't know where you want to go, you sure as heck are not going to get there. There's no question about that uh, in doing it. Um, I've also found personally that focus is really really important. Um, we can. We can do lots of things, and as a leader of a company, you have to do lots of things. But I think it's important for all of us to know what are the what are the small number of things, the few things that um, that you really believe you want to get done, and, and and do that, and know that you're knocking those down uh, in in doing it. Having said all that, um, we always. Uh, have to keep in perspective the things that have happened and 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 the and the the challenges you know even failures and and i i'll speak to one that for me has always been a driving force and it, and it really does go to the work at, at virgin hyperloop as, as strange as this might be which is um almost 30 years ago i was the chief of staff at the mta to the, to the chairman of the mta at that point in time uh and i I received a phone call at three o'clock in the morning that uh, a train had derailed and there was a serious accident in the New York City subway. Yes. And that moment has never gone away from me. It stays with me and um, I'm glad it does because the feelings that are there, uh, I carry with me all the time. And when I think about the things and the responsibilities that we have in building a new transportation system, I do it very much with that in mind. 
because I don't ever want to be in that kind of position again. I'm fortunate that I believe that using modern technology, that we can avoid being in that that kind of position. But um, but we shouldn't take anything lightly in any step that we do. And um, so, look, we we are we we grow over time. We learn. We we adapt to to things. Um, we should celebrate our successes. We should try and replicate them. We should build off of them, but uh, we should also be guided by some things that that uh, perhaps did not go as well as we would have hoped in in our life that we've been associated with, and recognize that they shape us a lot and and they're important. They do in many ways. Jay, you and I have have come up our our careers differently, but parallel in many ways, and. Key topics that we talk in interviews or broadcasts, et cetera. You and I have heard question areas on almost every topic imaginable. So it's unusual when you get one uh, that has not been one that you haven't least thought of before. Uh, I got asked the other day in an interview, uh, it was the first time I've, I've ever been asked this. They said, what is the kindest thing anyone has ever done for you? And at first, it threw me for a little bit of a setback. And then it got me thinking, and then I knew exactly why they asked me the question. For me, it was a teacher helping me deal with dyslexia and learning how to read. When it was questionable, could I even learn how to read well? Because it wasn't understood uh, what the implications of that learning disability was. And Mrs. Anderson made a difference in my life. She, she did for me uh, something that over three or four years allowed me to have a, a shot at life of of not just being productive, but having a shot at leadership. Uh, you know why I'm asking this question. <laughs> we need to ask more in society regularly as a reminder. What is the kindest thing anyone has ever done for you? Well, I have to say that um, the kindest thing for me is is actually my wife uh, marrying me. And, and I'll tell you that um, she has taught me through this so much about the importance of family and and how it fits in with having a professional career and and the balance that that's really there um it has uh, we've had the opportunity to to live around the world and to to do different things and to try different things and um it's always been focused on on professional achievements, frankly, and 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 yet uh, there could not have been anywhere close to that success without the the balance and the understanding about family and the importance of it that 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 really comes from it. I uh, uh, I can't say enough about it, frankly. Yeah, I think the messaging and it's a great answer, Jay. It says a lot about you. You know why I'm asking. It says what's important to you. It says your values. Uh, direction, etc. I, I cannot thank you enough for being on the uh, uh, the show today. The podcast capability and messaging I'm getting more and more comfortable with. Uh, it is a chance to help share others' lessons learned in life and and uh, what I'm seeing uh, in this world as it evolves. I want to thank uh, people for listening today to Chambers Talks, and I'll see you again in a couple months for all of our listeners. Jay, thank you once again. It's an honor to be your partner, and it's exciting how you're changing the world. Thank you much. Uh, I really appreciate being here, John. It's been fun. Thanks. All right. Thank you.